This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi, Jen. Hi, I am. <laughs> How are you? Well. <laughs> Okay, we're laughing because before we start recording for YouTube, we have to make these faces because apparently when you have videos on YouTube, you got to like have these shocking faces and that's how you get people to watch the YouTube. But doing it is a very silly thing to do. <laughs> it's so silly. And also, that wasn't why I was laughing. I was laughing because you were about to ask me how I am. Oh, <laughs> and you're not good. And you know exactly how I am. <laughs> Maybe I won't ask you. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, you know, we're doing good. Well, I had this amazing, I said, Jen. So I, the question today is from Kara, our intro question, which is, um, what's your self-care routine? And one of the reasons I'm good is I had a great acupuncture session yesterday. And, you know, like I do acupuncture and I leave all fucking, I feel stoned as hell. And she's, she's like on another. And I'm calling Jen and I'm like, listen, there's like, you know, we're going to put this out in the universe. It's going to be okay. Right. Like we're having this conversation and she's like, what what acupuncturist do you see? Why do you, like, where did you go? Why do you sound like a Tibetan monk now? Yeah, you really did. It was wild. It was a wild experience. She was like, the universe will give back to us in the ways. I was like, she was like, I know I'm a, a little more spiritual than you. I was like, there's, I, I don't know if I would call this spirituality, but... I'm just on another level, which I appreciate. I appreciate it very much. I'm not going to lie to you. I was um, at my pool earlier and I laid and floated in the pool and I like talked to the universe. And like, that's not a weird thing to do, right? No. What did the universe say back? Did my dog just barked at me? So (laughs) what do you think that means? Maybe the universe was telling your dog to talk back to you, which is so nice. Also, let's do an honorable mention of the fact that both of us we're up in the middle of the night and we didn't <laughs> text each other because we, we didn't text each other because we have such good boundaries. <laughs> and I was like, because also my fear is like, well, if I was to text you like one in the morning and I'm like, up. hey, I'm up and I'm anxious. We have a lot of stuff happening with the business right now. It's a lot of change, a lot of transition. Jen's house, she's doing some stuff to her house. Like Everything is fucking chaos. And you know when you just like wake up from a stress, like it's not even a stress dream. It's just like the adrenaline pushes your chest yes. out of your body. And you're like, I got to do something. So I'm up at one in the morning writing to get shit out of my head. And she tells me this in the morning. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I was doing the same (laughs) thing. We were doing the same exact thing at the same time. I know. It really helped, though. It really did. I find that very helpful to do. Me too. You wake up feeling really overwhelmed and like you try to sit there and you can't fall back asleep. Write out everything in your head and I just feel like it it goes somewhere that's not in me and I need that. Yeah. So yeah, because you're just yeah. ruminating otherwise. Okay, but in general, what's your self-care routine? From Kara, she wants to know. <sighs> Thank you, Kara. Um, my self-care routine. Uh, and <laughs> here's the thing. I don't want to call it I don't want to call it a routine okay. because it changes based on what you need. What's going on for me and what I need. One of the things 
that I've been really conscious of is because we spend a lot of time giving to others, we give and give and give part, a a big part and maybe just like an overarching theme of my self-care routine is like time to myself, right? Some people in their self-care, they're like, I need to be with other people. I need to connect with other. I, (laughs) I very much need time for myself in whatever way that means. So that, that might even mean, you know, just like going for walks by myself. And that's even like without my dog, because in walking my dog, as much as I love walking him, it's I'm still taking care of someone else. And so I have to be very conscious about like, this is my time I'm giving to myself. Um, And that could be going for walks, that could be working out, that could be you know, going into stores and not buying a goddamn thing. <laughs> you know, it could be returning things. You ever return something? It makes you feel like such an adult. When it I return you like to such Amazon, I am like, I am the most responsible person in the world. <laughs> it also feels like I'm getting money back somehow. I'm returning, like someone's giving I me money. I am returning a synthetic <laughs> rainbow wig, and I am the most responsible person that's ever been here. <laughs> I feel like we need to find out what that wig was for first. It's a long story. Yeah, it's a long story. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole different situation we're in. Cool, cool. Um, So I would say overarching theme for me is just doing things specifically by myself where I have no attachments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Big shocker. (laughs) What about you? So I feel for a long time I did self-care after. And so what I believe in now is preventative care. And that's part of my routine. So like I work out six days a week. And I hate working out. Like, there's never going to be a time where, like, I love this. But, like, I show up every fucking day and I go and... Except for the seventh day. (laughs) But they're closed. They're purposely closed on Sundays. Yeah, they're purposely closed on Sundays or else people will go. Burn boot camp. Highly recommend if you have one near you. So that's a really big thing. I have to be by water. That's a very big thing for me. I have to write things you out. You are a water I know. baby. I am. I'm like a little mermaid. Um, <laughs> I have to write things out. That's huge. And the biggest self-care thing for me is that I have to be in silence. So like something that I always did for a long time when I was feeling very anxious was I would talk to everyone and their mother about a situation. And now I talk to two people, <laughs> two to three people that I trust and I trust their advice and I, and I trust and feel safe with them. And then I shut the fuck up because if I had a memoir, it would call, be called Shut the Fuck Up. And that <laughs> is good for me because I, it allows me to self-regulate. So yeah, that would be mine. My memoir would be Say Something. <laughs> mine would be Just Stop Talking and yours would be Say Speak. <laughs> we, had a, we had a hard phone call the other day and Jen said one word. <laughs> I was like, mm, not worth it. <laughs> not worth it to me to speak (laughs) (laughs) one word that came out of her mouth (laughs) this is why we're such a beautiful balance so i know you might be listening to this and saying what the fuck is this episode about because we're not talking about a goddamn thing um here self-care is important especially if you're gonna have some confrontation and confrontation scary to you might be helpful to do self-care before boom did i do it you did it always (laughs) always you're the best so let us first say confrontation is challenging, especially if you weren't given the tools growing up. If confrontation in your family meant, you know, yelling, if it meant no one was actually communicating, there's a difference, a huge difference between yelling something and actually communicating. You know, people say like, oh, we communicate great. No, you're just yelling at each other. No one's hearing each other. That would be like a 
I guess a preliminary question that I would have listeners ask themselves is like, what does confrontation mean to you? What does that look like for you? Because the confrontation we're going to talk about is productive, right? It's something that's productive. Yeah. Um, it's not yelling at someone. It's not explosive. And I think that typically when you hear the word confrontation, that is what we're thinking about is like, that's what it's going to be. And that's what it's going to turn into. But the way in which we're going to talk about it is this really productive, healthy confrontation. Okay. So I feel like there's a, let's do a myth bust, right? So one, I feel like the idea of confrontation has a very negative connotation, right? Like this word. Confrontation, as we're going to use it in this episode, is truly to confront a situation. That's it. That does not mean angry. That doesn't mean aggressive. Exactly what Jen's saying. The other thing we want to myth bust really quickly is confronting someone or speaking up or setting a boundary or, you know, insert the fucking blank here. It's not about the other person. It's about you. You cannot control other people. A lot of times I'll say to people like, well, what if you talk to her about this? Or you say this to a client and they'll be like, well, it's pointless. She won't. Nothing will change. Well, it's not about someone changing. Sometimes we have to speak up because it's important for us to say something, not about the other person. So I think that that's an important thing to put to your head. Just like we talk about scripting with lots of other um, subjects, we've talked about in terms of sex and parenting, all these different things. Why am I choosing to do this? Am I choosing because I think the other person's going to change? Well, then if I'm going to end up disappointed, if not, what's going to happen here? What's my expectation going into this? But if it's because I have something to say and I need to be heard, it's a really good reason to speak up. Beautiful. <laughs> this this first question is one that I want to tackle because I think it's really important. Why does confrontation feel so scary? And I want you to think about this, that in not confronting and holding something in, there's a false sense of control over the situation. If I don't approach this and if I don't express myself, then that means I have control over the outcome, right? False sense of control. If I put it out there, I don't have control over how the other person responds, right? And when you don't bring things up, it's giving you this false sense of control. And so it feels so scary because when you're putting something out there, you can't anticipate how the other person is going to react to it. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you can do is take control of the way in which you respond, the way in which you bring it up. And so it feels so scary and so anxiety-provoking because it is, and it can be, because it is something that's out of your control. But let me tell you, holding it in with a false sense of control is really just creating a war within yourself. It's creating confrontation within yourself. So it doesn't go away. No. I think that people think if I hold this in, it's going to go away. No, no. That's not how that works. No. You just internalize it and use it against yourself, right? Right. Or it develops into anxiety. It develops into depression. It develops into resentment. Your body hurting. Your body feels it. Yeah. You can feel it. And so that's why it feels so scary. It just is. And it's okay. And, And let me say this. You're not going to listen to this episode and at the end of it be like, okay, confrontation's not scary anymore, so I can do it. <laughs> well, I, that was true. I would listen to this episode on repeat. <laughs> Me too. Um, What's the magic but, pill? 
the right. But what is going to happen is you're going to recognize is that it can be scary and you can also do it at the same time. It can be scary and it's also very important for you to speak up for yourself and express the things that you've been holding so close to the vest. Close to the vest or close to the chest? Dude, you know I don't know. I know. I, I am the wrong person to I ask. Know. <laughs> I think it was close to the vest, hard to say. <laughs> We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Okay, we have two two questions. Let's answer them together because they pair perfectly. Somebody asks, why does my mind go absolutely blank just the thought of confronting someone? But that adds into how to move through the freeze part and back to standing up for yourself firmly. So first, let me say your mind goes absolutely blank. And if we go back to the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, that is 
your brain trying to protect you from a sense of threat. Mm -hmm. And so your mind goes blank because it's telling you that there's a huge threat here. Mm -hmm. And remember a few weeks ago, we had Jules uh, Taylor Shore, who we adore on the show, and she talked about that every four seconds that re-goes. So I think you freeze. There's a moment of hesitation, and then you get stuck in that freeze of like, oh, I can't talk. And I think when you are someone who struggles with confrontation, Especially if you're trying to talk to somebody who is maybe very opinionated or maybe pushes back, then it's really easy for you to like sort of turtle it and go back in your shell. So why did your mind go absolutely blank? Because it's paralyzed, right? Because it's scared, because it's freezing, because it's having that trauma response. How do I move through the freeze part? One of the best ways to do this is if you're feeling it within your body, you can go in with some some pre-done lines that you say when you're froze. So one of those is, I hear what you're saying. I have to think on this and get back to you. I know this is hard. This is how I feel. This is how I feel, period. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you that. I'm not a conversation, right? So you can go in with any of these like sentences and that when you start to freeze, you can say that. You also know, especially somebody had asked about like, Somebody points back or something and they freeze or something. Do you know what I'm talking? Do you know? Do you know which question I'm talking about? Somebody asked, like, why does this feel different than therapy? Because <laughs> therapy, <laughs> what's pushing back, right? So if yeah. I say to Jen, "Hey, I was really hurt when um, I was really hurt when you told everyone about um, this this a nightmare that I had. I don't know. Felt very personal <laughs> to me." And she says, "Well, Emily, it's just a nightmare. It's really not a big deal. It's very easy for me to feel." Like, I am being overly sensitive, mm-hmm. or I am being dramatic, or Jen is right. When people say things very assertively, you automatically assume that they're correct. <laughs> right. Right. And then you start to question yourself, and you turtle, and you go back into your shell. Yeah. And there's gaslighting within that, right? Like, I mean, think about it. Like, sometimes, like, some of the dumbest people you have ever known say shit, and you're like, I don't think that's right, but is it right? They said it's so pure. Like right. someone went, it's like, no, nah, that sky is right. And you're like, I don't think it is, but is it? Is it? And that's what happens, especially when you're someone that this feels scary. And let's not forget the socialization we have in this world, specifically for women, is be nice, be kind, play it safe. Right. And the person responding, right? So like in that same example where... You're saying, you know, Jen, you really hurt me. You told everyone about this nightmare I had. And I said, why are you being so dramatic? It is my inability in that scenario to acknowledge that I did something that caused someone else hurt or pain, Mm -hmm. right? It's my inability to, I might be feeling shame. I might be feeling guilt. And my way to avoid those feelings is to put it back on you and say, no, you're being dramatic because I personally don't want to feel this sense of guilt that I did something wrong. Yeah. Right? yeah. And in relational attunement, in healthy relationships, I can acknowledge, okay, I do feel guilty about the fact that I did that. And I can acknowledge your feeling at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, Emily, I am so sorry that hurt you. I am never going to do something like that again. I did not realize how personal that was to you. But also, if someone has a big reaction to you, maybe there's a reason. <laughs> People don't really like being like called out. Right. Of course. Okay. So that brings us to another conversation, right? 
mm-hmm. the way in which you approach the confrontation. Mm. So if I approach a conversation and I say, you're such a fucking cunt that you told everyone about my nightmare, how do you think Jennifer is going to respond? Right. I'd be like, oh, no. Or if I say to her, uh, well, I guess, right, so let's say, I, or I do a passive aggressively where I say, like, well, I guess it would be a good time to tell everyone about um, you wetting the bed. I don't know. It's just like, this is not a thing that happens. <laughs> Wish I had a better example. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thank you for. Yeah, I actually apologize about that. <laughs> Thank that you was... for. <laughs> Jen did not wet the bed, at least recently that I know of. I haven't. If I did, I would tell you. Yeah, it would it actually be funny. Right. But let's say. I would blame it on the dog 100% <laughs> if I did. Smart It's move. not even a question. I would be like, Louie, Louie. Smart move, right? (laughs) But if I said to Jen, right, so I say, well, if you're going to tell everyone about my nightmare, I guess I'm going to tell everyone about you wet the bed. So I do say passive aggressively or do a sort of a sort of like, no one is going to hear you. People, I I can't tell you how many times I have actually walked through someone with the conversation interaction they have. And they're like, well, I don't understand. I told them the truth and they didn't hear me. And then we walk through conversation and they actually said incredibly passive aggressively. I'm like, you didn't actually do something like like that, right? And, and mm-hmm. they, the quote we've talked about in terms of Al-Anon is clear as kind. Mm-hmm. It is actually very kind to be clear and direct with people about yeah. what's going on. You know, another piece of that, too, is like beating around the bush, right? Like in the opposite end, instead of being direct, you are beating around the bush or you're not being clear about your feelings and what's going on for you. And I want to bring this. Somebody said how to stay regulated in the moment if they have a big reaction. Jen, we had to have a, a hard phone call the other day. What did you do right before we got on the phone? Do you remember? I don't know. I blacked, I blacked out. <laughs> right before we get on the phone, Jen said, I'm going to go get a fidget toy. Oh, yeah. That was really helpful. So right before so she knew that her body was feeling something big. Yeah. She was having big feelings. She knew that it could come out. And who knows how it could have come out. But instead, you said, OK, I really need, know that I need something in my hands. That's a great thing to do. Right. There is some therapists that do like that do trauma therapy that will actually have like rocking chairs or a small glider in their office so they can regulate by moving their bodies. Mm. I have done this where I have a swivel chair in my office when I work with couples. And when I'm starting to feel like, OK, like what's happening here, I will move my body a small bit. Yeah. And that's how I'm bringing it back down again. So physical grounding and physical regulation is very, very helpful. I just want to speak to that experience because, you know, when you're in that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, there's so much energy in your body, right? So your brain is sending signals to the rest of your body that you need to fight or there needs to be flight. So you have so much energy in your body. That's, that is where that's coming from for you. Mm -hmm. And so physically to be able to get that out when you are in the conversation is so helpful in terms of re-regulating. Yeah. To be able, if you need to go on a walk before you do this, if you need to get this energy out of your body so that you can be grounded and bring yourself back down. I also think it's important to acknowledge that when you are in this confrontation, to slow, it's okay to slow yourself down. I think sometimes when you've been ruminating about something for so long and you're finally having the conversation, it's so easy to be like, I need to get all of this out and I need to go quickly. And we, you need to hear me and I need you to understand me as soon as possible because I've been holding this in for so long. It's okay to slow yourself down if you feel in the conversation that you need 
to be grounded. You need to regulate. It's okay to be like, can you give me like two seconds? I just need to like sit with this for a little bit. It is okay to have those pauses in the conversation. It's okay to give yourself that time to re-regulate. So it's just something to remember when you're going into this. You don't have to get into it and word vomit all over the place. It's okay to move slowly. So one of the things we remind people is that a crisis is not an emergency. And so you might be having an interaction with someone that feels like a crisis, but rarely is it actually an emergency that you have to say something now. It's not a bad idea to walk away from the conversation, start it again, or say like, you know what, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Somebody said how to how how the hell to not cry when confronting others. Um, you might cry. And if you're feeling like you aren't able to contain your emotions or regulate your emotions, you can say, I'm having clearly a lot of emotion comes up. I have to walk away and start the conversation at another time. And then you have to actually take responsibility and walk away. Yep. And it's it is okay for you to cry when you're bringing these things up. Get comfortable with your own tears. You know, I think there's a, a fear of when we're in a conversation and we start to cry, that it makes us seem weak, it makes us seem vulnerable, that we won't be able to stay on task or express ourselves. But if the more comfortable you get with your own tears and your own tears in conversation, the more grounded you're going to feel in that conversation, even as the tears come up. If you're so focused on not crying, it's going to keep you so separated from your message. Mm -hmm. It's going to keep you from really being able to convey what's going on for you. So crying is just a natural release that your body needs. It's the same thing we were talking about as regulating. Your crying is trying to regulate your body through it. It is a natural response that is happening. So if you get comfortable with your own tears, say it's okay that I cry during this and I can still talk through it. It does not mean I'm weak. It doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong. And it doesn't mean I can't get my message across. I love that. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that. All promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when pro says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrinkchicks. 
Say goodbye to the cheap razor era, my friends. It's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with Athena Club. Em and I just got back from an amazing trip to the Caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice, the therapy group. And in haste of packing, because yours truly is a packing procrastinator, I forgot my Athena Club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth, a mistake I will never make again. The Athena Club hype is real. The shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothest, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with gooby blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrinkchicks at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. Second guessing myself and thinking they have a point. Somebody can have a point. Somebody can totally have a point. And it doesn't mean that your point is not also very significant and important, right? Especially when we're talking about your feelings and your experience. Somebody can say, well, that's not what I meant. You misinterpreted. All right. But intent is an impact, right? So like, but still, I was left feeling hurt. So Jen tells somebody about my nightmare. I'm feeling very sensitive. What do you think this nightmare could have been about? Like, Don't you bring up my peeing the bed again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so Jen breaks it up to somebody and I, I get mad and she says like Emily like clearly that is not what I meant and that's true my feeling wasn't a fact but instead she could also say that is not what I meant and I'm so sorry that's how you ended up feeling that was not my intention I would never want you to feel that way did you ever see did you see that meme I know you're off social media but did you ever see that meme where there's memes on Reddit like, okay <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm on reddit so sorry. sorry um it's like uh fre- someone texting their friend and being like i'm arguing with my man and they're starting to make sense <laughs> what do i do <laughs> i have not seen that but that's funny oh, it's so funny and, and the, i think i think the response is like just start crying <laughs> <laughs> works every time <laughs> but I think there's a part and like and somebody might make sense, right? So Jen says that like Emily, like that is so not my intention. I'm sorry. And then I might say, like, yeah, like you're right. Like I know you. I gotta give you the benefit of the doubt. I had a big reaction. And that's it. Yeah. It's a it's a beautiful balance between acknowledging where our own reaction is coming from, mm-hmm. right? What's bringing this up for me? What are the triggers for me? And you can be doing that and also bring that up to a friend or someone who has hurt you. Yeah. So both things can coexist, right? Where you can say, Emily can come to me and say, hey, I had this big trigger that you told, you know, everyone about this. That, that 
comes from my, you know, it might be coming from my past where like everyone told this. Oh, you yeah, know, I got everyone was talking. I got it. I told somebody a secret in high school and they told everyone I got made fun of. Right. Like you have no idea what you're hurting for other people. Exactly. And so her, she can acknowledge that for herself and also bring it up to me and say like, hey, this is big for me. And so I felt really hurt by yeah. this. And I can say, oh, I had no idea. I'm That was not my intention. I am so sorry that that hurt you like that. I will not. I will be very conscious of that. And I will never do something like that again. I, I want to talk about this one. How do you know when it's important to confront versus not a big deal and not worth it? There will be lots of stuff that gets a reaction from you that it's not worth it to deal with, right? If uh, if, if uh, um, a random fucking lady in front of me at Wawa says something, I'm going to be like, I don't care about this person, right? Like, whatever, lady, go say whatever you want. I'm not going to involved with this. You know, maybe there's no relationship or you don't care about maintaining a relationship. Like, it's truly not worth it. Here's for me how I guideline when it's important to say something. If I keep thinking about it, days after clearly something has to be done if i'm waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> clearly something has to be done if i am ruminating on it if i if i keep trying to like make stories about right like whatever the fuck it is yeah if i keep going and i can't release something probably needs to happen here that is the exact same way that i gauge it for myself is that if it's almost like we spend 100 percent of our time together <laughs> so weird so crazy. Um, is that if it's something that I keep thinking, because then, right, if I can't work through it for myself, and there are so many times where I can, if I can't work through it for myself, if it feels like in order to not build resentment in this relationship, I need to bring this up. We need to have this conversation. Then that is when I'll bring it up. Because what that does too is it creates space between your emotional reaction to something and making the choice of like, what do I want to do with this, right? Because if you're reactive to everything, right, you're not giving yourself the space to say, well, where's this coming from for me? And like, is there a way I can work through this for myself? And you might need some time to be able to do that and to figure out if it's something that you want to bring into the relationship to say like, we need to talk about this. I think another thing to think about too, it might be something very small that keeps happening over time, right? Where, uh, you know, it happens the first time and maybe it is something that you work through for yourself and you're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm going to let this one go. If it keeps happening, if it's the same thing that happens over and over and over again, and eventually you can't stop thinking about it because it's starting to build resentment within your relationship and it's starting to affect you, then that's another reason to bring it up in the relationship. If it's small things that keep continuing over time that are affecting you and affecting how close you can feel to that person. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this one. I want to hear what you have to say about this. How to have difficult conversations with people who you know don't respect you. Oh. There will be people in your life who don't respect you simply because they choose to not respect you. And that is a really difficult situation to, one, know when it's wet, right? What's this, uh, my fa- this serenity prayer? The courage to change the things you can, the wisdom, right? What the fuck is it? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. Like, you're the spiritual right. one right. in this relationship. And the Al-Anon one. <laughs> that, you're the Al-Anon one. You're okay, the spiritual right? one. I can't tell you. <laughs> but like, I'm why am I forgetting? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right? So the wisdom to know the difference in some senses is what's worth your time and what isn't. 
there has been many times throughout my life that I wish I said things and I didn't. And there's been lots of times where I wish I didn't say shit and I did. <laughs> and I think the part of this is taking the time before you do something to really think it out. What's worth it and what isn't? What's the point of why I'm doing this? What's the wisdom to know what's worth it and what isn't? And there are some people that if they don't respect you and there is no point, why do I want to say it? I want to say it. And for some people, they might say like, but I need to say it for me. And that is A-okay. I also want to ask, why do you have relationships with people that don't respect you? Family. <laughs> right. And so that my guess be, is, is family. It, my guess would be family. Or work. Right? Or work. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's a really important distinction to make of what we're talking about in getting better with confrontation. A lot of what we're, you know, circling around is approaching confrontation because it helps you to become safer and closer in your relationships. Mm -hmm. This is something different, right? So like if it is a family member who yeah, you got to see it like holidays, or if it is a work relationship who you have to maintain a professional relationship with them, then it's, it's a question to ask yourself of like, how do I want to bring this up in a way that also protects me and takes care of me? Yeah. Because if there isn't safety in the relationship and if they don't respect you, then it's inherent that there is not safety in the relationship. Yeah. Then I think really thinking about what are my intentions for this and like what is the foreseeable outcome of like bringing this to the table mm -hmm. that if they don't respect you, it's not going to change the fact that they don't respect you because them not respecting you is about them. Yeah. And there is inherently no safety in your relationship. Yep. I think we have time for one more, then we have to do Dear Evan Jen. Okay. Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Okay. So how about I'll I'll do very specific guidelines for this question. Okay. How to bring up something you've been putting off for a long time. So I'm gonna give you four things that you can do. Number one, I want you to break it down into smaller pieces. Because if there's something you've been putting off for a long time, it might be something that's very daunting. So I want you to break it down, write down the things that you want to say, and really break it off piece by piece, right? Because when something, sometimes when things are in your head and they're stuck in your head, they become so much bigger. It's so hard to separate them. That's exactly what Emily and I were doing last night at four in the morning. <laughs> Number two. Allocate a specific time and place to have this conversation. The setting that you do this in is really important, right? It's very different to sit down at a table where you don't have your kids and you don't have distractions and it's not the end of the day where you're tired and hungry. Your setting is so important for bringing things to the table for talking about some of these things. And also, if you're allocating a specific time to do it, if you're saying like, hey, can we talk about this on Sunday when we have some time? We can talk about it over breakfast. They're also entering into the conversation, understanding that you're approaching a subject that's really important to you. So allocating a specific time and place. Another thing, something we've talked about, is practicing it beforehand. So. After you write it all down, after you break it down piece by piece, 
is I want you to try to practice it. Put it out into the open. Listen, read it out. Say it out loud. Say it to yourself in the mirror. You know, practice the things that you're going to say. Once again, if you've been holding on to this for a really long time, it might feel really heavy, might feel really daunting. So practice just like you would anything else. Practicing it beforehand can be so helpful. And the last thing I want to pinpoint and highlight is being very direct and honest. We talked about not beating around the bush. Um, and if this is something you've been holding on to for a long time, it might feel so much easier to speak in generalities, right? But we always say this, being clear is kind. And so being very clear with the things that you want to express so that you are no longer holding on to it is so, so important. So make sure that you're being direct and honest in the conversation. Dear Emmanuel. I'm a huge fan as a human and as a professional counselor. A human professional? Question mark. I like that. As a human? Wait, Like a human professional. Like she's saying, like, I'm a professional human. I've been thinking (laughs) about how so many of us in the field have been attending to others since childhood. It's something you've discussed many times, and thank you for that. One common thread is how people with that experience can quickly pick up on vibes or moods in most places. In my life, I feel this a ton with my partner. He, however, is not so aware. How can I navigate acknowledging when I see he might be struggling without therapizing him or pushing for a conversation he might not be ready to have? What do I need to talk to myself about here? (laughs) Jen, I know you got an answer for this one. (laughs) First, I want to say that the reason why as a therapist and as a human being you are so able to pick up on other people's emotions is because that was survival for you growing up, right? It may be the case that you weren't given the space to feel your own emotions and that you had to be very aware of other people in your home and their emotional state so that you could adjust accordingly and so that you could stay connected to them. So um, I just want to to highlight that is that that is very much a survival mechanism that you have developed, um, which honestly leads you to be very successful as a therapist and successful in ways in your relationship that you can be very empathetic towards friends and your partner. I think a big part here is asking for consent, especially when we're talking about relationships in your life that should be honored. Um, there should be consent. And so what I mean by that is saying to your partner, Hey, there were some things I picked up on at that family event. Do you want to to hear about those? And that gives someone a choice. And choice matters because when people aren't ready to hear something, even if you bring it up, you're planting a seed. And that gives someone choice and time. If you have been doing this your whole life, I got really mad at my husband in couples therapy a few weeks ago. And my couples therapist said, you don't get to be mad at him. He expressed something. He didn't do it well. But what you're expecting from him is not developmentally appropriate. He's been working on these skills for two years. You've been working on these skills for over 30. And so developmentally, she said, she said, when your kid is first learning to walk, do they, how good is that walk and look? No, they're like, uh, 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 
When your kid's first learning to eat, how fucking messy is it, right? When your kid's learning to talk, can you understand half to say? When my daughter asks for something now, it sounds like demanding versus requesting, right? That's developmentally appropriate. So if somebody has not been doing these skills for very long, it's not going to look the way you do it. And our partners and relationships deserve consent and patience around that. Something you can do, and I know you mentioned this, Em, is anytime you notice that they might be feeling something, to just say like, hey, I noticed there was a shift and that's it. You don't have to get into what the emotions are. I noticed there was a shift, everything okay, right? And so if you can pinpoint that and you say, hey, I noticed there was a shift, they might also be able to start to recognize that too. Because if they were never given uh, the tools, the awareness of like, you know, I'm having these feelings and this is how I express them, if they were not socialized in that way, then, you know, they really might not understand when they're feeling something different. And you might have a very clear picture or you might be able to see it quicker than they're able to see it. So for you to just be like, hey, I noticed there was a shift and it might be in your nature because you're a therapist to go deeper into that. Well, what are you feeling? What triggered you? You know, what was going on for you? You can just stop there. It's not your responsibility to change the emotion. The survival mechanism that's coming out for you is, is where all of those questions are coming from, right? If I know and understand this more, then maybe I can protect myself from these moods. Maybe I can do something or change something in order to, you know, survive in this environment. But it's not your job and not your responsibility to monitor your partner's emotions. You can say, I feel a shift. You know, I'm just wondering, everything okay? I'm here if you need me, right? Then you're, that is still consent. They get the choice to come to mm-hmm. you and talk to you about it. All right. It feels, you know, like a, a time that I should mention that it's just because a therapist um, wrote in that we offer private practice consulting. And so if you're a therapist looking to grow into a private practice or grow your private practice to a group practice, any of those things, that's like a service that we offer. You can see it on Shrink Chicks or the therapy group.com because um, it is actually, I think, one of the greatest compliments that other therapists listen to this show. I, I yes. feel like therapists are always worried about other therapists judging them. And like it feels so, um, I don't know, humbling that other clinicians uh, listen. So thank you for listening to today's episode of Shrink Chicks. We always ask you to rate, review, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on YouTube. We have merch at shrinkchicks.com. We have a journal on Amazon. You can write in Shrink Chicks Journal right through there. You can follow us at Shrink Chicks or the therapy group. We would love to connect you with a clinician to either um, start or continue your therapeutic journey. If you're interested in working with one of our therapists, you can check out the therapygroup.com. And we will see you next week. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Bye.